0: Pastor Bob Thibodeau.
1: Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're joining us. You know, when it comes to sharing your faith, sometimes it can be difficult, especially if you're in a business situation or a business meeting. I mean, how will people react? How little or how much should I share? Is it okay to even mention the name of Jesus? These are just a few of the things that can be crossing in your mind as you discuss business, ethics or whatever the meeting's about. What about that terrible word, change? Some organizations embrace it. Most employees want to avoid it. Amen. Don't shut me down when I'm preaching good. Whether you're a business leader, a change management professional, or simply someone intrigued by the intersection of society, technology, and faith, I can guarantee you're going to get a lot of valuable information from today's interview. Amen. To help shed some insight into ways to handle these types of situations, our guest, Carrie L. Bass, will give us some insights and wisdom to use in business settings, etc. Carrie Bass is the CEO and founder of Potential to Reality Consulting, which specializes in enterprise transformation, operational excellence, and organizational change management. With over 25 years of experience, Carrie has led transformation and change initiatives for government agencies, Nonprofits and commercial enterprises. Kerry's vast expertise is what drives the positive changes in the organizations he helps and for society as a whole. Praise God. He's also a senior member of the American Society of Quality, or ASQ, and is the chairman of the Center for Electoral Quality Integrity. Help me welcome to the program, Kerry L. Carry, Kerry, it is such a blessing to have you on the program today. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us.
2: Thank you, Brother Robert. Appreciate the opportunity to be on your show.
1: Amen. Now, the first question I always ask and start with is this. Other than that brief information I just shared, can you tell us in your own words, who is Kerry Bass? Um, Kerry
2: Bass is a very blessed man that has an opportunity to see and uh, experience a lot of things in life uh, and follow a path that God has allowed me to be able to add on for a lot of different things. i Uh, started out studying engineering after uh, uh, being raised in a Christian household. And uh, so I g- understand science and believed in the scientific method and, uh, but also understood the, 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 uh, the impact of God in revel- revealing his creation and giving authority to man and capability to man to be able to do things. Uh, was uh, in business for a while. I spent uh, a large amount of time with uh, IBM Uh, and started out as a field technician after being in a family uh, garage business and then uh, learning the computer industry. And uh, after getting into senior management and quality and managing the global quality and organizational uh, skills development for the field technology division, uh, I uh, did full-time ministry for a while. I struggled for, uh, listening for a while. The, the Lord had been telling me about, uh, that, you know, this was an opportunity for me to serve. And I, uh, I resisted for a long time because I thought I was going to be a business executive. And I was saying, how do how will that work? I don't quite get it. And, uh, uh, and, but I was waiting for God to give me that Damascus road, uh, incident to make me go into ministry and, and, uh, God allows me to get really frustrated sometimes. And I'll be I remember I was cutting the grass angry and I said, you know, uh, I don't understand. You know, do you want me to do something? You need to tell me something. And and he said, <laughs> look around you. Uh, You see all of these things that need to be done. You have these skills and abilities. This is the work. I'm God. You do it or not. because my will will be done so you can join it so that's where i'm at and i've been able to have a uh, long eclectic ride uh, of being able to learn things be able to put it in place and being able to learn how faith applies to that and uh, be able to share it
1: amen amen you know (laughs) i remember my argument with god too you know uh, (laughs) the uh you know quick back my listeners have heard this i'm not going to take a lot of time to, to go into it but uh, after I left the military uh, we had a lot of hard knocks and uh, you know, was trying to run my own business and all that. And, and uh, January 25th, 1992, I'd had it, you know, and I was actually contemplating suicide. I mean, it was that bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I wasn't born again. I was that night, but at this time I wasn't. And I just, Lifted up my eyes. I was crying because I was so depressed. I said, Lord, I'm done. I'm, I'm checking out. I'm, I'm finished. I can't do this anymore. Unless you move right now, I'm just going to end it all. You know, if you can fix it, great. If not, I'll fix it. But something's going to happen. You know, if you fix it, I'll, I'll be a preacher for it. I don't care. But something has to happen. And. My wife, she was born again for four years before that, praying for me. And when I went on this business trip, she made me take my grandfather's Bible with me. And uh, there was nothing to do. You know, I didn't, you know, so I was just reading. There's three ways to read the Bible through in a year in the front cover. I still have it in the Bible I use today. I took it out because that one, I wore that Bible out after this incident. But I still have these the way to read the Bible through right there. I taped mm-hmm. them into this Bible, but uh lay down to go to sleep. And, and I was reading one way, you know, two ways in the morning. And then the third column at night before I went to sleep, laid down. I said, Oh, I forgot to read my Bible. Well, if I'm checking out in the morning, I guess it'd be a good thing to tell God I was reading his Bible. <laughs> and uh, so I looked up the scripture. I was supposed to read was Psalms 34. As got down to verse seven, that says, "The Lord has heard this poor man cry and shall deliver him from all his trouble." And that one verse changed everything, you know. And I felt the Holy Spirit. And I mean, I called my wife, says, "I'm coming home," <laughs> you know, type thing, right? And uh, about let's see, it was 1992, so three and a half years later, my wife and I are doing our Bible devotions time out on the back porch, living in Texas now. And I got my calling in the ministry is Ezekiel chapter two and chapter three. And I read that he says, you know, I'm sending you the people of your own nation, not to people of strange language, hard speech to understand. I sent you them, they'd listen, but I'm sending your own people because they don't want to hear what you got to say. But that's all right. I made your head harder than their heads. And I've been (laughs) called a hard head my whole life. This made complete sense to me, right? And I guess all the blood drained out of my face because I didn't say anything. I am just looking at my wife's like, what's wrong? I goes, nothing. I just read this wrong. So I read it again and said the same thing. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and uh, so I argued with God for six months. Lord, hmm. you know, you know, the lifestyle I led, you know, you got the wrong guy here. And finally he had enough of it. it just like he told you, he, his response to me was, did you lie to me? <laughs> like, Lord, i would never lied to you. What do you mean? Did you lie to me? When would I have lied to you? And then he replayed that conversation that night, you know, right. you know how the Bible says we're going to see everything we've ever done, you know, and, 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 and I, I seen just a small snippet of what we're going to see, you know, mm-hmm. and he replayed that night from like an overhead view where I said, I'll be a preacher for, it. I don't care, but you got to fix this. He goes, did you lie to me? no he says so what are you going to do i'll go into ministry (laughs) (laughs) so i understand completely you know that conversation you had with god out in that front yard because i i got it i understand it amen amen so how did you get started in the type of consulting business that you're doing now well,
2: uh, I spent a uh about over 15 years doing consulting and uh technology with uh, government agencies and government consulting firms. And um I also uh had started prior to that with the, the last uh, work that I did with IBM, I helped them to be able to transform their uh, their service division by, by bringing in this methodology that uh, that one of my professors and uh, advisors to the business, Dr. Robert miles uh, introduced. And um, I decided after uh, 2019 that that I was tired of being on the road and uh, it was time for me to uh, hang out my own shingle and and basically now, uh, uh I semi-retired, which gave me the freedom to be able to focus on the opportunities that I want to take versus being uh, required and in, in trying to uh, pursue business just for the sake of making sure I fill up my uh, uh, billable hours. And so uh, I, I really am uh, uh, quite enjoying this opportunity to be able to uh, help organizations uh, s- select organizations that are interested in uh, moving and making a difference. Uh, be able to identify how to go about doing that and getting themselves aligned and
1: and moving in the directions that they want to go. Amen. Amen. You know, is it true that in order to effectively how do I phrase this effectively change an organization, you need to bring a change to the people? And does that mean change the people as in leadership or changing the attitudes and perspectives of the people making up the organization?
2: You know, uh, that that is a really great question. And the answer is yes, uh, even though you asked me, is it an either or? And I heard that originally when I first started looking at change over 20 years ago. Mm. And uh, one of the change experts were, uh, uh, came up with a uh, saying that's always resonating in my mind it says, you have to change the people or you have to change the people. Um, And that is really uh, key. And that's one of the efforts that I've focused on, particularly from a leadership standpoint. Um, You need to have people that are capable and willing to go where you are trying to take the organization. And if they are not capable or willing to make the journey, then you need to find a way for them to find a place where they will be comfortable or successful that are not part of it, because it's it's demeaning and demoralizing to your change effort if you start losing people along the way. Yeah, I kind of uh, liking it until you know that that metaphor of leaving on a ship uh, when you leave the dock uh there's not much way to get off the boat you you know the folks go overboard and they they either survive or perish but the boat continues along the way but everybody that's on the boat knows that joe went overboard and so they begin to wonder well what is the the fate of me will i go overboard or will i be able to make it all the way to the other side Mm. and will i survive yeah and so it's best to align your people with the mission you're going which means you need to let them know where you're going before you set out.
1: Yeah. Amen. Amen. As you're talking about that, an example, a true life example came to my mind and and I'll just briefly explain it. I'm pretty sure being in the the change of business, you know, that what you do, you're familiar with this story, but uh, for some of the younger people listening, they may not have heard about all this, but way back when the government had to help, Bail out some of the car companies. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chrysler went bankrupt, Mm -hmm. and you know they wanted to bring Lee Iacocca over from Ford to run the organization. He didn't want to go, and he said, "Okay, the only way I'm going to come in is if you give me the authority to fire anybody in this organization, from the board of directors all the way down to the janitor, and anybody at all." And they said, "Deal," and he signed the papers. Once the contract was signed in the boardroom, he said, okay, all of you are fired as of right now. He fired the entire board of directors, (laughs) every one of them, got rid of them all and started all over again. But he also said, I'm only going to take $1 in salary per year, Mm -hmm. but I'll take the stock options because I believe this is going to work. And it did. He turned around. He paid off the debt. I think it was supposed to be paid off in 10 years. He paid it off in three something mm-hmm. like that you know but i'll never forget that story so the only way i'll do is if you give me the authority to fire everybody from the top down they said deal and he signed the contract in the boardroom so now every one of you pack it up and get out it <laughs> brought all he brought in his own people
2: you know yeah yeah uh,
1: uh, that's why I asked that question, but you got change the people or are you going to change the people? <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, and, and and that's one of the things that, you, you know, that as part of this transformation effort that I spend time with the, the top level executive on is uh, where do you know your team well enough to know that they are capable and willing to go where you want to go? Yeah. And if not you need to be prepared and give them, you know, the, the means to find a, a exit to, to make the way. Amen. Uh, because a lot of times if you have to do dramatic things that
1: again, it, it makes your, your, uh, journey harder. Yeah. Amen. Amen. How often do you run into the attitude of, but we've always done it this way.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's tremendously the, the issue. One, one of the things, you know, I guess that, uh, it is good human nature to understand how things work and you know what has helped you in the past be successful. Uh, but the leader is responsible for not just looking at right now, but looking out into the future.
1: Amen. And yeah. so
2: if what you're doing today is not going to get you there, then uh, you need to be prepared to let people know that this is going to change mm. what you're doing is going to change and it and uh it's going how we did it yesterday and we've always done it that way is not useful for where we're going uh buggy whip makers i mean well we made buggy whips that's a classic you know cliche <laughs> we've always made buggy whips this way but we're driving we're making cars there's no horse we wet so <laughs> amen, amen it's not going to help.
1: help you yeah that, that's funny because that's the example i was going to use uh you know because i was studying about henry ford and the assembly i, I grew up in michigan so you know yeah. about, mm-hmm. about 40 miles north of detroit so naturally you know all about henry ford in that area of the country right and his deciding to use the assembly line you know and and it was at first it was debunked you know but but when he started to turn out not only more cars that a faster, but better cars right. than the competitors. Suddenly, everybody wanted to make an assembly line, and it just yeah. wasn't the automobile plants either. You know? Yes. Yeah. That was an idea that shook up the entire industry and economy.
2: D- disruption, and that's the thing. Disruption has been happening. Well, it's it's had to happen because that's the way that change makes this its appearance. Is that what you did in the past? no longer fits into the world of where you're going.
1: Yeah. Amen. And that's kind of how AI artificial intelligence is shaking up business, the business landscape right now as well. I mean, something that's new and innovative, but that just about every organization will have to adapt to, or they're going to be left behind with the buggy whips.
2: Exactly.
1: Amen. Exactly.
2: You you know, um, AI is an interesting uh, case of disruption Uh, is because AI has actually been around for a long time in computer science, and they've been trying to uh, uh, build this capability for a number of decades. Uh, But we're just now at that intersection of where technology, the, the, the computer's hardware and the software are at the right place with the right amount of information to start making it useful for AI to start making adequate predictions based on information that it has and so that causes us to think about how are we providing value and if my means of providing value was simply going back and and repeating the same thing over and over again then that has less and less value when you have automation to be able to do it mm. and so I might thinking is, and my advice uh, to organizations is to be aware of the capabilities of bias and those kind of things. But you need to think about what are you really providing as value? And is it really a value to have somebody sit and send a form letter to someone versus having a, a AI system generate the form letter and send it out? And having that person be able to take a higher level of responsibility and use their brains for something more creative and uh, adaptable.
1: Yeah. Amen. amen. Well, is AI something that business owners, not just industry leaders, but mom and pop business owners, is this something that they need to embrace or shun? I
2: uh, You need to, to like all tools you need to be aware of the the uh, dangers of it, but you need to embrace it because it is a force multiplier. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you, you know, think about how long it takes to, uh, you, you know, you were talking about earlier about doing some of the routine tasks of getting ready for a podcast. Imagine mm-hmm. if a lot of that stuff was taken care of for you. How much of your time would be freed up to do more of the creative things? Of, of getting guests and being able to to understand and, and reflect on what is it that you're trying to do uh, rather than spending the multiple hours that it takes for you to do rendering and and editing and all those kind of things. Yeah. So uh, mom and pop businesses need to be aware of, of that and, and find out how can it help them. And then also uh, look at the value that they bring uh, if the value that you bring is something that is, you know, if it's uh in that area of 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 uh uh opportunity for AI to take over, you need to think about maybe this is a threat for me. I may be in the boogie whip business. Maybe it's a good time for me to think about something else.
1: Amen. And yeah, I, I was we've started the adaptation of AI and what we're doing here uh, with the podcast, the training and things like that. Uh, a good example is our schedule. You, you went through the scheduler to book your interview, right? Mm-hmm. Prior to using that type of system, it was all done manually by me through email. Well, how does yes. Tuesday the 17th at 10 work? Well, t- and then, you know, tomorrow I get an email by, well, 17th won't work how's the 18th at one? Well, oh, i can't do one but i could do three so it takes a whole week to exactly. come to a, a conclusion of when we're going to do an interview with a scheduler. here here's the link book it when it's convenient for you and it comes through i double check my schedule to make sure okay we're good you know whole exactly. process takes 15 seconds
2: <laughs> you, know? <laughs> exactly. you know another example is you know um, these these uh Uh, platforms kind of like what we're on with with zoom and others is how often have you had to have someone to take notes Mm. uh, of a meeting or or being able to have a transcription of it yeah Uh, the voice recognition software has gotten so so much better now that uh, it almost used to be that whenever you you did a voice recognition trans uh, transcription you almost had to spend as much time to uh to go back and correct the transcription than it did to just go ahead and write something for yourself exactly but with ai that capability now is just uh uh right there and it and it makes it available so you can share that information with you know people that need it right away yeah
1: i've seen recently uh someone promoting ai and they said uh if you have you know, a team of customer service representatives, say three or four, that handle the incoming emails, the incoming chat messages, the phone calls, you know, and all that. And that's what those three people do every day, answering the same questions every day, several times a day. <laughs> type of thing Is that if you integrate it into an AI chat bot, people type in their question, here's the answer. And the machine, now those three people, as you just said, they're free to help. You know, you might have one there to maintain, you know, the phone line or whatever, but the other two can now be moved to a more important position than just answering the phone all day. Exactly. Adding more value with the resources that you have. Amen. Amen. So what is something that you caution business leaders to watch out for when adapting AI in their business? The biggest concern
2: with AI overall, uh, and you see it uh, in multiple different areas, is bias. Mm -hmm. Um, And the way that these AI systems work is that they get trained on data that their creators or they get algorithms that are corrected by people. Those people have biases. And so the, the difficulty is, is that once they're automated, now those biases are faster and you know the speed of automation. And so if you have a blind spot, for instance, if you think someone uh, doesn't fit your care your, your customer set uh, and you train the system to not see basically those potential customers, then that is a major danger um the other thing is uh that you um uh those biases m- may uh not just exclude customers but it may actually hurt uh some of your customers or maybe even uh, other people or 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 people that you're meant to serve yeah um yeah. there's a uh one of the leaders her name is Dr Joy Bonalan Winnie a, a brilliant young lady she uh, uh was a super geek if you'd like to call it that <laughs> Uh, But as a teenager, she was building robots uh, uh, to to be to, you know, to play. And she was uh, before she went to Georgia Tech and uh, she built a a, a, a pet, kind of a, a dog out of a kit that was going to be her virtual pet. And she used off-the-shelf facial recognition software mm. to be able to get it so when the camera saw her that the pet would, you know, you know, show affection and all those kind of things. But she couldn't get it to work. And uh, Dr. Buon-Lunwini is uh, of African descent and dark skin. And the basic problem was is those off-the-shelf facial recognition software could not see people with dark skin. Oh, wow. So that allowed her then to be able to understand how biases work. And also the other side of that, if you train it such that uh, who is a criminal, so to speak. uh, And if you only say that people with dark skin are criminals, then it assumes that that's a characteristic of, of criminals. And so You have to be careful about those type of things. That's the biggest issue is how do you understand and and know that bias exists and then be able to uh, uh, work to make sure that it's
1: not causing a detrimental effect. Amen. Amen. That's interesting. Yeah. Praise God. Well, I also want to talk about, as I alluded to in the opening, is the Christian faith in the organizational culture today is that something that's growing or diminishing in the companies that you've gone in to help. You know, I
2: I find that uh unfortunately um and, and it's it's the fault of us believers that that we uh see faith in general as being suspicious. If someone says that they are mo- motivated by a faith perspective then uh, because of what the 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 appearance and some of the uh, way that faith is being shown to be more against folks than to be for folks then it becomes suspect and um but my perspective is is that i think that people love faith particularly of the christian faith this is our time to really make a difference um Jesus at the you know teaching at the Beatitudes uh was uh saying, and I was looking it up right before us because that was on my mind, is that uh we are the salt of the earth. Uh and so we have the, the capability of providing great blessings. But if we don't keep our salt, if we lose our cells then we're not worth anything. And it actually, that's the kind yeah. of the diminishing characteristic.
1: Amen.
2: Um, and the other thing is, is that uh, a lot of times w- we feel like then we have to force our face on, faith on somebody else. I think that that is the biggest uh, detractor because that actually demeans the nature of God's creation. God created all of us with the capability of choice. That's the nature of God. Yeah. Uh, And that's how we become God as you know, as recorded in, you know, in John for those that received him, he gave the ability to become the children of God. So it's our choice, not we're forcing it on somebody else. Yeah. And
1: a lot of people have a hard time with that. You know, they, 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 they believe that their job is to go in and get this person born again. Something like, no, we're just supposed to share our faith through the way we live, the way we talk, the way we act. And if the conversation comes up, absolutely, you know, bring, pr- pr- you know, promote it and, and maybe even ask, you know, yes. are you a Christian type thing? Yeah. But, you know, I've had so many people that would just, uh, I'll be at the grocery store, you know, and, and as we started our conversation today, when you came on, you said, how are you doing? I said, I'm blessed, saved, going to heaven and join the ride along the way, right? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. learned that when I was at Bible school because we were required to you know, keep a three-by-five card turned in every week of people we witnessed to. Well, it wasn't my nature to go and say, like, hey, are you a Christian, you know, type thing. Right. And right. I'm standing in the grocery line one day just contemplating that, you know, look at all these people here. I could talk to anybody here, you know, type thing. And then I noticed every person that walks up to the cashier, as customer moves on, what's the first thing she says? Hi, how are you today? Right. And then, you know, you get some people, you know, oh, my back's been killing me. And the doctor says I've got to have surgery. And, you know, and everybody's listening to this old lady tell all about her health problems. Right. Well, suddenly the light bulb went on. Right. And while I got up there, that's what came out. I'm blessed, saved, going to heaven and joining a ride along the way. How about you? Yes. You know? Yeah. And when you have another believer operating, you know, she's a cashier, she, she'll look up, her eyes will get big ooh, me too. Now we're yeah. talking about Jesus, right? right? Everybody in line gets to hear all about it. I'm not talking mm-hmm. to them, but they get to hear all about two people enjoying a conversation about their Savior. And that's, that's spreading it. the gospel, right? Yes. But if you get the deer in the headlight look, huh? You know you got a live one right there. And guess what? She can't go nowhere. <laughs> you
0: know? So now I'm
1: talking about Jesus, how great he's been, you know, how my life has changed. I'm not hitting her over the head with it, but she can't run away. She's got to right. ring up my groceries. You know? Right right and I, that, that was 30 years ago and i use it today all my friends you know, I'll say hey bob how you do as soon as that comes out they know what's happened because to me it's an automatic response now
2: yeah okay. yeah. yeah you know and and uh you, you can even just do a simple thing like i'm blessed because yeah. that, send, that sends that sends yep. a signal to somebody that yep. that you're operating under a different realm yep uh and you don't have to do it but that same uh pars- uh uh Partial uh, scripture from Matthew uh, is is talks about us being light, and it says, "Let your light shine." Amen. So the things that you do that that provides an opportunity for witness. When you're called on to handle the tough problems, when things are going bad, and you seem to be calm, uh, that is an opportunity. When somebody says, "Why aren't you upset?" And you, you can then let your light shine and witness and say that I live beyond this moment.
1: More than one time I've gone into a store or something, walk up to the cash register to pay. And, and the lady said, you're a Christian, aren't you? Yeah. I say, yeah. How could you tell? She goes, there's just something about you. And yes. Amen. Yeah. You're living your life. But to go back to that point, you also I remember when I was in the military <clears throat> that, you know, when everything is going wrong around you, you know, and people say, how come you're not upset? The saying was, if everything around you is going to hell in a handbasket and everybody's upset, but you're not, it's because you don't have all the information. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: well, well, in this case, it's actually the opposite. I have more information. Amen. I know that. Existence beyond <laughs> this, yeah. So, <laughs> regardless of this moment,
1: amen. I have a,
2: an eternal. Problem. Amen,
1: amen. Well, do you see the the value of integrity as something that helps Christian business leaders influence the office culture and those they're working with at their company?
2: I think it's it's critical. To have integrity. Matter of fact, that's the one thing that that I uh, if there's a number one thing that I tell people in organizations and leaders is to have high integrity. It's better, in my view, to tell people hard things and how it really is than to try to make them feel yeah. well. There, there yeah. was a um, an article and I think I put it in one of the articles that I wrote. I, I referenced it. Uh, I believe uh, that the CEO of Shopify was uh, interviewed and and he was uh, quoted as saying, telling the employees, you are not family. Uh, And, but, you know, so many people say that right off the bat that, you know, we're one family here. Well, that's not very true. Uh, And so because when something happens more often than not, business people are taught that we need to reduce our cost. And the way you reduce cost is you reduce headcount. And so uh, I move these people off and say, well, I'm sorry, Uh, you did great things for us, but uh, you know, for the good of the business, we have to let you go. Well, family, you can't throw away that easy. And so uh, when you say those things, then you set the, uh, the view that you're not being honest. And so if you're not being honest up front, then that causes people not to believe that you're uh, capable of being honest about where we're going to go and how I fit into that picture.
1: I mean, it's kind of like at Walmart, they call their employees associates or something like that. You know, Uh, that's not a family member. Right. An associate can be disassociated. Oh, absolutely.
2: You absolutely, And and you may want to dis- disassociate yourself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If the, if the organization is not going where you want to go or it's in conflict with your values, mm-hmm. then you may want to disassociate yourself. Mm-hmm. And so therefore uh, I, uh, it works both ways. If I, if I say I'm part of a family, then I can't just walk away from my family either. You know, uh,
1: you may disown them, but whatever, but everybody knows who you are, you yeah. know. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be over anger or an issue. It might just be time to move on. Absolutely, mm-hmm.
2: I uh, that was one of the things that I learned uh, to uh, do uh, over the many years that I've been a people manager, many times was to take care of issues where there's a conflict, where there's a misalignment between. Uh, individual and the team or the organization you want to take care of that early before yeah. you get angry yeah because when you get angry then it's yep. it's difficult uh and makes it worse now's the time to be clear and honest and and in the spirit of love and and agape is to say we are walking in different paths yeah and so now's the time for us to to go in a different path and how can i help you on the path that you're going to go.
1: Yeah. Amen. You know what I've fact, while my last year at Bible school, uh, my first quote unquote ministry job was working with Dr. Bernard Johnson. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you heard him or not. He's known back then as the world's greatest gospel saxophonist, mainly in the church of God (laughs) and Christ circles. But uh, he hired me. I, I, i set up an event and the company I was working at that I was, company I had one of my board members was one of his board members and he was coming into town and, and, and having a meeting and having a concert. So he invited me over there and and I talked to Dr. Johnson and all that and, and hit it off. So when I got ready to go into the ministry and I said the senior year, uh, I put together an event for the ministry, the, the school, uh, that was one of the things, a senior project was going to be this class outreach and I invited Dr. Johnson to come play and he was so impressed with everything he he ended up hiring me to be what he called his national concert coordinator and that job was basically he'd come in and say Bob I think uh, I think we need to go to San Diego make it happen well everything from that moment until they said ladies and gentlemen Dr. Bernard Johnson passed through me you know mm-hmm. uh how many people all the travel arrangements where the event's going to be at the insurance payments down payments uh who's going to be the guest speaker who's going to be the guest artist that you know the warm up groups and who's going to be on stage and the platform all that passed through me uh flight arrangements everything and we did 48 concerts in one year in 48 different cities you know? wow and uh I learned so much you know so the second year uh, about halfway through the year I had an opportunity to move on. And, you know, that was hard because I felt like, Oh man, you know, I'm going to leave Dr. J, you know, type thing. But he sensed it too. He said, Bob, you got an opportunity. You got to take it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that helped me. But so everything you just said, that's why I brought that up that sometimes you have to have that separation. I learned a lot. when I, moved here to maryland uh we opened a church and and as a police officer you know everything was great but once i got promoted had to go a little farther new responsibility i knew i could not perform the pastoral functions the way they should be so we merged our church with with another friend of mine uh in his church and uh he was trying to raise money for haiti and so i said well you know if you want to hold an event i can put a hold of uh dr johnson he goes, Dr. John, you mean Bernard Johnson? He goes, Yeah. You know Bernard Johnson? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Look, look, Here's his contact information right there on my phone. You know, and he says, Man, that'd be awesome. I said, Hold on. And Dr. Johnson asks, Hey, Dr. J. <laughs> and uh, he came out and did a benefit concert, you know, all that stuff. But the, the point I'm trying to make is there comes a time when you've matured possibly out of the position you're in yes. to do your own thing. You know, you yes. were working for the tech companies and, and the, you know, the big four and all this, and it came time for you to say, you know what, I'm going to go out on my own. And, and they didn't sh- slam the door on you. I hope they didn't say, well, if you're going to do that. We never want to see you again. You know, type thing. They probably said, Hey, go for it.
2: One of the things that, you know, and I'm not trying to make an IBM commercial, but um, <laughs> IBM uh, was a, a great learning experience. And I went from a field technician all the way through to senior manager with global responsibility and they paid for my MBA and, uh, uh, did global travel, but I also was, was working, you know, in the ministry at that time. and, And that came to be that conflict and it came time for me to, to move at that time. IBM was just beginning to have, uh, reductions in force actions and that sort of things, but, At that time, senior managers were not included in those reduction in force uh, work. And so uh, when I finally accepted my calling, I went to my manager and said, you you know, I'm going to leave and I'm going to do full time ministry work. And, you know, we had a conversation and he said, are you sure? And I, I said, yeah, I I'm ready to, you know, to make this change. And I've learned a lot and this has been really great for me. And he said, fantastic. And so he went back to HR and they worked it through HR. They created a uh, early retirement package. I was the only senior manager in IBM at that time that had an early retirement package. They created it for me. And so I was able to leave and then use, uh, actually, uh, it was kind of crazy. I, uh, I used my retirement funds to fund the ministry work that we were going to do. So uh, it comes a time. And when God is in that picture, uh, he will grant you favor yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. based yeah. on, you know, the, your service. And, and but that was uh, also it was like I I really enjoyed the work I did, and I believe it was allowing me to let my light shine so that they didn't have to separate me because I had to separate a few people from the business yeah. that. The, you know, they would have stayed, but they weren't capable of uh, finding their success mm-hmm. or helping us succeed. Yeah.
1: Amen. Amen. I, you know, you said that I, I, I did the same thing you know, when I left the military at 12 years. Well, I lost my eight more years. I could have had a retirement. Mm-hmm. Struggled in business, became a police officer, thinking, okay, I'll be here for 20, 25 years. And and after, you know, 10 years injury and all that, and then the retirement. And I'm praying, you know, you heard the story of what do you want me to do type thing, right? But the Lord showed me and says, you lost your military retirement, but the police department provides a retirement. And in medical retirement, your finances are now taken care of. Now take care of my ministry, you know? So I went into the ministry, without worrying about how am I going to pay the bills right? type thing. And so just like you said, the the retirement funded the ministry. Right now, the ministry is self-sufficient. You know, we yes. don't have millions of dollars in the bank, but we talk about the radio station. We have never missed a budget, a monthly budget in the radio station. You know, the, every, the, the bills are paid on time every single month. Yep. God's yep. blessed it. But if yep. I... Just well, I'm going into ministry, I'm quitting my job. Okay, well, I got you know two thousand dollar a month mortgage and this a car payment and all these bills. I gotta have five thousand dollars a month come in just to meet the bills. What am I gonna do? You know, type thing. I didn't have to worry about that. Just yeah. like you said, it, that's taken care of. The ministry is the ministry, and now it's self sufficient. I mean, it was self-sufficient from day one. You know, yeah. My, I remember my first <laughs> My first board of directors meeting. I said, okay, here's the budget for a year. I needed $500 for the ministry. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Boy, that, I bet that was, I, I'd love to have been on that board. That would have been fine. Uh, I think
1: we could do everything for $500. You know, type yeah. uh, you know it's not $500 anymore. Gary, <laughs> <Right. Right. laughs> right. you know, this has been so interesting, man. I enjoy this conversation. As we get ready to close, I want to ask you provide our listeners some insight as to what you could potentially bring to their organizations if they would want to reach out to you with an inquiry.
2: Love to be able to help an organization be able to assess where you are and look at where you're going and be able to see how can you align your, your resources and your people to be successful in getting to where you're trying to go. And so, uh, and, and one thing I want to encourage folks to about is, uh, have faith, particularly those of us that are called in faith, to that success is possible where you're
1: going. Yeah. Amen. And if someone to get in touch with you, ask a question or perhaps do an interview such as this, how can they do that? How can someone get in touch with you?
2: They, uh, the, uh, my website is uh, www.makingitreality.com. And, uh, the best, uh, Email is info at makingitreality.com and we'll be able to get back to you.
1: Info at makingitreality.com. That's right. right. I'll put all that down in the show notes below. Praise the Lord. Fantastic. Uh, Folks, technology is here to stay. Yes. What you may have thought as top shelf technology three years ago, (laughs) well, today it's possibly obsolete. You need to adapt to the times to stay competitive with, if not ahead, of your competition. Amen. Before the broadcast I was sharing with Carrie, with my first what they call a podcast today, I was recording on a flip cell phone. Remember those? A flip cell phone on a free website because I didn't have a website. Well, that technology no longer even exists today. Amen. You know, but you know, I, I encourage you to reach out to Carrie Elbass and his team. Ask questions. Perhaps this will be the first step to the transformation of your business that you've been praying about, that you wanted to see, but you won't know unless you reach out. Amen. What's the worst thing that can happen? You talk for a few minutes with Carrie Bass and decide, this isn't what I want to do at this time. But on the flip side, this could be the one connection you've been praying about. This podcast today could be what God sent your way to give you the open door you've been seeking. Carrie Bass and his team could be God's answer to your prayers. Amen. But again, you won't know one way or the other unless you take action right now. Click the links below, get in touch with Carrie, and find out one way or the other. I believe you'll be pleasantly surprised. Amen. Sometimes all it takes is an outside perspective looking at the things you're doing that can provide you with the insight you were looking for all along. Drop down the show notes right now, get in touch with Carrie Bass and Carrie. Thank you again for taking the time to come on the program today. I do
2: appreciate it, brother. Thank you. It's been a
0: blessing.
1: And folks, that's all the time we have for today. For Carrie L. Bass, myself Pastor Bob reminding to be blessed in all that you
0: do. You have been listening to the Faith-Based Business Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. We appreciate you as a listener and fellow believer and want to encourage you in your entrepreneurial efforts. These programs are designed to provide you with information that you can use in your business to achieve success faster and avoid the obstacles that try to impede your success. All information on this podcast is for entertainment and information use only. Some of the products and services listed in the links may contain affiliate links and Pastor Bob will earn a small commission when you click those links at no additional cost to you. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll be notified when our next episode is published. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do.
1: Are you a Christian entrepreneur, coach, or author with a message that needs to be heard? Picture this your voice, reaching thousands, your story, inspiring hearts, and your business flourishing like never before. Introducing Faithcasters, the ultimate platform that connects faith-driven professionals like you with the power of podcasting. Become a sought-after guest on faith-based podcasts, share your unique insights, and connect with like-minded individuals who share your passion for faith and entrepreneurship as well. Imagine your expertise reaching a wider audience, expanding your network, and propelling your business to new heights. Well, it's all within reach with Faithcasters. So don't wait.